Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. We read from the 103rd Psalm together today, and this is a special passage because Doc will be preaching from Psalm 103 later in the service. We'll read responsibly the first 13 verses, and then Doc will share from verse 22 later on. Join me as we read from God's word together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love Toward those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. This is a service of blessing and praise. We have read responsively already most of the text for this morning's sermon, but it ends in the most expansive way possible. Hear together the final verse of our scripture for today. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Those of you who know me well know that I have absolutely no musical gifts. I do have an immense jealousy of those people who do have musical gifts. Uh, I'm, I'm moved by music. I know that music reaches and soars and touches a place in the human soul where flat prose can't go. But I just, I don't understand music like some people do, and I really wish I did. I, y'all know I usually sit on this side, uh, but often on Sunday, when Joy is playing, I look, I don't know why we look at the piano, but I still, I look that way when she's playing, and I'll sometimes catch Bill watch, listening to Joy play the piano, and I'm watching him as he feels every note and breathes every keystroke 
And he's lost in this joy-filled room where I just bumble around like a novice. And I wish I had that. In musical places, I feel kind of the same way I do at Home Depot. I'm just lost. I'm the guy who says, do you have a screw that looks like this one? You know. What I do understand and love, though, is the power of language to transport. I, I love it when somebody can put language to my deepest realities and end up expanding my capacity. There, there's some people who can find just the right word. Mark Twain said that the difference between the almost right word and the right word is a really large matter. Tis the difference between the lightning bug and the lightning. I love the poet. I I feel and I love and I wonder and I worship and I yearn. And some gifted poets are able to put language to my most private and holy thoughts. I, I know sometimes the poet overreaches Shoots for the moon, but that's part of what I love. Because sometimes their language is just big enough to capture big truths. For instance, I might say to Melissa, Man, you looked good when you came in a few minutes ago. And, I mean, that communicates. But listen to Rogers and Hammerstein say it the way they did In Cinderella. Ten minutes ago I saw you. I looked up when you came through the door. My head started reeling. You gave me the feeling the room had no ceiling or floor. Ten minutes ago I met you and we murmured our how do you do's. I wanted to ring out the bells and fling out my arms and to sing out the news. I have found her. She's an angel with the dust of the stars in her eyes. We are dancing, we are flying, and she's taking me back to the skies. See, that, that's better than, man, you looked good when you came in a few minutes ago, right? The, the, the poets can do that. One of my favorite poets is a 13th century Persian mystic named Rumi. By the way, his poems were translated by a guy at the University of Georgia. Uh, But listen to just these four lines. Come to the orchard in spring. There is light and wine and sweethearts in the pomegranate flowers. If you do not come, these do not matter. If you do come, these do not matter. That's better than I like you lots, right? The psalmists are the ancient poets, the hymn writers of ancient Israel who put language to our experience. We, we get to soar on their words, giving voice to experiences of God that we just can't quite find the language for. Part of our worship is offering our praise for the unchanging, loving God who brought us to this good day. 
But if I'm left to my own language of praise, it might sound like, I like you lots. Or, or worse, it might be that my praise is less about the attributes of God and more about me. God, I give you praise for the provisions and blessings. I give you praise for my raise at work, the good weather Saturday at the picnic, and also for my new boat. But the psalmist praises in a way that explores the worthy attributes of God and captures God's glory in language that's lofty and worthy. There's a, there's a story about a couple who, uh, after 21 years of marriage, are sitting in the counselor's office uh, as the marriage is about over. She is tearful and looks up at the counselor and says, he never even tells me that he loves me. And he snaps back and says, it is not true. I told you on, your we- on our wedding day that I love you. If I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> Part of our worship is that every now and then we ought to just, just push back the furniture and And have a praise fest to put our love of God into language and expression and prayer and song and to practice saying every day, unlike that guy, how our love of God is real and expanding. And Psalm 103 does this. It gives us the language. It it starts with a celebration of God's deliverance, God's provision for me. It starts in personal language. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And like all great poets, no word is stray or dangling or unnecessary. Every line packs an experience of our faith. Something about our relationship to the eternal God. Forgiveness, healing, redemption, Mercy, renewal. So let me read the first five verses again and invite you to listen to it with your holy imagination, filling in all the blanks, listening for the ways this is personal for you, how each line of this poem has been true in your own life. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I heard a preacher say one time that sometimes in worship we ought to just walk off the size of our inheritance.
Okay, I, I know it's unusual to split the sermon into two parts, but for one, if we are really praising, then there's only so much talking you can take for you want to stand up and sing something. That's why we did it. But the other reason to stop and sing is I wanted to make clear the shift that happens in this psalm in verse 6. In, in the first five verses, as I said, the promise, the, the psalmist has praised God for individual blessing, personal, all that is within me. But now the psalm has started shifting out beyond the edges. For all who are oppressed, it says, for others. Pra- praise does that. Praise creates in us a need to expand. It, it enlarges us. The, the celebration of God's greatness enlarges our soul and the excess of God's goodness spills out everywhere. And it spills out to all. All. Did you, did you notice how many times when we were reading this responsively, we said the word all? Verse 1, verse 2, verse 3, verse 6, verse 19, verse 21, verse 22. All, all, all. God's blessing can't be contained in the individual. It can't be contained in the personal and the private. It's part of why we come to church. It's part of why we do this corporately instead of sitting in a deer stand. Because worship enfolds. God's blessing expands. It expands to the oppressed, to the plural. And at the end of the psalm, at the end the psalmist gets so carried away, he just goes off the page. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. It's a Buzz Lightyear prayer. To infinity and beyond. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all his works in all places of his dominion. The dam has broken, goodness and blessing pouring out in every arid place. Well, I, I hear the pushback, the critique. Not everybody in here is feeling particularly like picking up the tambourine and giving praise. The press of life and stress and fracture and illness and transgression and disappointment. And maybe you just don't feel like lifting your hands and shouting, bless the Lord, O my soul. But this psalm speaks of timeless truth, not temporary circumstance. The psalm is an ode to the timeless attributes of God that hold us even when we don't feel like it. The steadfast love that holds us when we don't feel like being held. God is just, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, whether we feel it at the moment or not, and whether we believe it or not. There's a line attributed to Carlisle Marnie. The story is that 
he got in some kind of conversation with an atheist. And he said to the atheist, tell me about the God you don't believe in. Chances are I don't believe in him either. The God of Psalm 103 is the abundant, steady, reclaiming God who is gracious, forgiving, whose love is calling us home. And the poet psalmist gives language to the God we do believe in. The God whose justice pours out on the oppressed, whose acts define the people of Israel, whose mercy holds back from judging us by what we deserve, but rather removes our sin like a compassionate parent. The poet says that our transgressions are set as far apart as the east is from the west. It is the blessing of God's steadfast love that deserves our praise, whether we happen to be feeling praise or not. So here again, the latter part of this psalm, the poet giving voice to our understanding of God's qualities, not just for me, but for all. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I counted 12 attributes of God's love in nine verses. Sometime later today, as a part of your Sunday, as a part of your Sabbath, Let me encourage you to find a quiet place and see how many attributes of God's love you can count off in the specific that you have seen, known, heard, experienced. And don't worry about giving the right word to it. We can come back and read the psalmist. But in your own words of prayer, offering up to God your gratitude for the abundant, steadfast, overpouring grace that has brought us here today. Thanks be to God.
Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.